Welcome, everybody, back to our second episode of the Pirate Radio. We're excited to uh, continue this thing for all of you and hopefully found the first episode enjoyable. And we're going to kick off 2022 with a second episode. So two and two, zero, two, two, lots of twos. Um, speaking of twos, um, I've got two plus one co-hosts with me. So uh, real quick, Matt Crape, you want to say hi to everybody? Howdy, y'all. How's everyone doing? And Joe Hughes is with me here as well. Howdy, y'all. There we go. Boisterous howdies. And Jim Jones, give us your best howdy. I will belay my my uh, stereotype and give a nice and round and hearty hello. How are you? <laughs> There's no y'all in there, though. What's up with this? Just just got to keep them. Keep you guessing, man. This is how we work. Cool. <laughs> I'm all good with that. Awesome. Well, as I mentioned, um, as we record this, we're in the first week of 2022. So we've survived pretty much two years of, of pandemic life and excited to start the third one, I guess. Um, but with that, um, you know, it's it's New Year's. So we're going to talk a little bit about not necessarily resolutions, but, you know, we've all spent a little bit of time over the, the holidays thinking about what we want to accomplish in 2022, what things we want to do to improve ourselves. This being IT, we all are constantly having to learn. So it's it's critical in my mind to make sure you've got some sort of learning plan for yourself. Um, it may not always be technical, and we'll definitely hit on some of that. Um, but, you know, Jim, maybe let's start with you and, and we'll just kind of dive right into it is, you know, what are you, what new things are you looking at? What new things are you excited to, to start tackling in, in the next year? Yeah, man. And thanks, Brian. Yeah. So... I'm, I find that I am getting at a point in career, whatever, or I guess technology evolution where I'm, I'm a little lagging my friends here, Matt and Joe, and some of the technologies that I've been like really needed to get into. And now for various work reasons, interest reasons, whatever, I'm really kind of like trying to hit some focuses on some, on some things that need to happen. So training is a big part of my, here's what's new for next year. Um, really the very first one that's kind of coming up is um, NSXT. Um, for those of you that work in the VMware realm or networking, things along those lines, um, in case you don't know, uh, the older version of NSX, the NSXV is going to be forcibly retired here next week. Um, so if you haven't started making plans for that yet, you probably should. Um, this will be a big focus for us and our organization this year. Um, there is, hey Matt, there is actually a, um, there's a, it's not necessarily a support capability, but there's a grace for, I guess, guidance. Is that what it is for another year past this? Yeah, so that's called technical guidance, uh, which is essentially... Um, you know, it's strictly break fix, you know, sev one type instances. There's extra costs that are associated with that. Um, and, you know, it's provided in a lot of various VMware products. You can actually find those dates, you know, published on the lifecycle.vmware.com. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's a chunk of money and um, you're still running things in risk. And frankly, you know, you should be planning these upgrades before you hit that end of general support date. Yeah. Definitely. So what is meant by forcibly retired? Like that's, that's a term that's not common in the industry. 
Uh, well, it's probably, I guess, one that I'm using that is a, I guess, end of support. Maybe let's go with that. Um, so they are, you know, you've had this parallel path for God, how no, who knows how long now, where you had NSXV and NSXT just both kind of trucking. Um, and there's been quite a few reprieves where they've said, no, this is going to be when we're going to cut off NSXV. And then, no, we're not really going to do it. And now I think we finally got down to the last the last cut of it and effectively there will be no no new versions there will be no like mainline support like a support agreement's not going to do it um like matt said you're gonna have to pay money per per situation if you do have to get support with it and as we've seen and we discussed last time there's enough security things flowing around when we're talking about a security product which nsx is um you know that's a a very bad place to be. Yeah, and something else to note about that, right? NSXV 6.4 came out in January of 2018, right? It's been around for four years. Um, you know, it, are you going to be running a four-year-old, you know, um, version of your networking or security software or anything like that, right? Like, all these things have a life cycle. You know, a lot of VMware products, they get revved up to the next major version, you know, support goes from that date on and so forth and so forth. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's been around for four years. And ultimately, you know, as with anything, and the support hits pretty much every product in IT, right? So then we all have challenges with. Yeah, definitely. So forcible so, is just you you being bitter, Jim. Yes, it is. I mean, it's like, it's, it's not so much being bitter. No, it's just, it's massive change and it's not, you know, VMware to their to their credit has put a lot of time and a lot of effort into making the migration from V to T as good as possible and giving giving away lots of free training and lots of documentation on how to do that. Uh, it's just it's just a big uh, undertaking. Um, but anyway, so because of that, I'm going to get some training in so that, you know, as we're now running T, making sure that I know what I'm doing there. Um, from there, we, you know, how, well, how are we going to do that? How are we going to do other things? Um, you know, one of the other things I'm really interested in is really getting up to speed on Kubernetes, Kubernetes excuse me, and containers. Um, and there's, again, there's some excellent training that's out there that I'm looking to dive into. Kasten's got a bunch of free stuff. Um, the VMware still provides the cube Academy, um, which is pretty nice. Um, and then, you know, to get some legitimate, you know, let's go get a certification. The Linux foundation's CKA program is pretty nice. Um, and then finally, in terms of that kind of focus, you know, I, to make all that kind of stuff happen, I need to get much deeper into the automation, DevOps, whatever you want to call it type stuff. Um, you know, I help manage a pretty large infrastructure these days. So, you know, that's becoming a bigger and bigger focus for us um, for that and other reasons, kind of looking at Ansible, Terraform and Packer, and, you know, especially the, the hashy stuff. There's so much good training out there. Ned Belvance has a bunch of good stuff on Pluralsight. Um, Brian Krausen and Gabe Mintz have a couple of great courses on Udemy. How does, does anybody actually know how you pronounce that? Because I'm almost positive that I do it differently every time I do it. And uh, 
never do it right. So um, can't say I've ever guess, heard it pronounced. Oh, that's true too. Yeah, it's it's one of those things you type, not say, right? Yeah. And then you know, finally on that path, you know, really start looking at salt, which if you've not heard of it before, is another one of the automation um, platforms that VMware bought. Was it last year, guys? They bought Salt. Uh, um, might have been back in 2019. <laughs> the pandemic erases a lot of memories, right? Yeah, like yeah. Time, time has no meaning through. anymore. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sometime but, before the time, before now. But yeah, so you know, we're responsible for a lot of Ceph um, storage infrastructure, um, in where I work at, and. Uh, even though VMware now owns Salt, um, historically, Ceph and Salt are like a hand-in-hand conversation. That's how you typically automate such things, but it'll do all kinds of other stuff too. So Pluralsight's got an entire learning path on that that I'm looking to get into. But, you know, while those are the specific like technologies that I want to focus on, honestly, from a learning perspective, I don't know about the rest of you guys, but... I find as I live more and more in a social media world, um, it is harder and harder for me to read real things like books and articles and things like that, that, you know, anything over 240 characters or 500 words is like, you know, where's the TLDR? And I really hate that. Yeah. You guys went into that as well? I, I find that a little bit as well. Um, I, I do a lot of audiobooks. Um, and, and podcasts and stuff. So I need to, I need to clean up my podcast situation and, you know, I, I, I would definitely want to be reading more books. My problem is I've found when I sit down with a, with a paper book, I fall asleep within a couple pages. It makes it really tough to read. <laughs> yes, it does. Yeah. The eyes closed thing does make that difficult. Yeah. I'm, I'm completely on board with, uh, that as well. And that, uh, <laughs> falling asleep in chairs, you know, falling asleep while I'm, you know, trying to read. Um, I'm big on audiobooks, but I also try to almost reward myself in that I'll only listen to an audiobook if I'm like doing exercise or, you know, cleaning the house. It's not like I'm just sitting around on the couch listening to an audiobook. I, I like to do it to keep my mind busy. So, yep. Yeah. So over Christmas, I definitely. That was like I said, that's a focus that I've got. So I think I read a book and a half just for fun. You know, just found some some of my favorite authors and, you know, just kind of went through it. And now I've got like a little stack over here on the other side of my desk of other things that just want to read that are still got in paper. But then my Kindle is just preloaded with a bunch of things. Yeah, my, my plan with that is really always to try and, and divvy up what I'm doing. So I try and have some fun reading, even if it's books that I've read before, that it's one of those I pick it up every two or three years and, and flip through it and remind myself of, of favorite you know passages or, or funny stuff that was in the book. Or I have been actively trying to go to the library since we moved somewhere that has a great library system. And I've been um, picking up different books, right? Just checking some of the what's new fiction or sci-fi or fantasy stuff, um, or specifically looking up uh, things, especially if it's stuff that my kids have been interested in, to just try and be more interactive and get out of my head. Um, because sometimes that just helps being 
uh, invested in the topic, but not being just one-on-one solo with the book. Um, but yeah, I, I have both problems. I think I get distracted if I'm doing anything short of like a Kindle or an e-ink tablet where I can have nothing but the book on it. Uh, because if I try and read on my phone or my iPad or anything, you know, as soon as a notification pops up, I'm three hours deep into reading some weird article somewhere. Uh, or with a paper book, then yeah, I fall asleep and end up with, you know, basically ink tattooed on my forehead. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a problem. Man, wouldn't that be such a great um, feature request to put out to like Amazon for the Kindle app that you could have it set up that when the Kindle app is open, that it automatically puts everything else into focus mode to where you don't get yeah. the notifications and stuff like that. Oh, I am so going to find a way to try to email that sucker in. That's, that's not a bad idea. That's because I, I actually, since I use my camera on my phone a couple of times for doing um, video stuff, because I've got a 4K camera on there, it's way better than, than you know, having to mess with a, a DSLR for recording and stuff like that. I have a, uh, a focus mode where it allows you to use only certain apps. Uh, I need to do that and just add my Kindle to that. That's, that's not a bad idea. Oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, we can do that. That's a, it's an iOS what? What are we up to now? 12, 13? Um, mine's an Android thing. I don't, I don't know about uh, that Apple stuff. Yeah. Right. iOS has okay. the same thing. Yeah. But I mean, you know. So Technology! Can, yeah. So we, <laughs> well, I feel like I've been uh, kind of bogarting some things. But just real quick, the last one is going to be that I really want to focus on this year is actually focusing. Um, I want to be more impactful with my time. I find, you know, there's there's a whole lot of marking time that I do with things. Um, and so I want to be able to, you know, when I'm not actively, um, you know, relaxing or whatever, if I'm in work mode, then darn it, here are my things that I'm going to do. And when I'm not doing that, then it's okay for me to check out. But, you know, just little stuff like getting back to making a task list, which is something that I'm really like to do and used to do kind of got out of the habit. So, kind of pushing myself that way. Yeah, that's that's a goal I've had for the last eight years and I keep having to come back to it. And I don't know, for me, I've always found that in certain, you know, it it comes in phases. There's times when I can't keep everything in my head and it works, it works well for me to do that. And other times where there's just so many big, big things to tackle long-term projects that I have to start creating lists in order to do that. So I, I kind of go in and out of it. Um, but it's, it's definitely been, been useful for me in the past. It's just, sometimes I don't need it as much as others, I guess. Yeah, that's, that's one of the big things that I'm trying to do as well. Jim is, is trying to be way more impactful with what I'm actually spending time on doing. And I'm trying to define what it is that I'm doing. If it's the things that I have to do, or if it's like minutia and small tasks and things that just have to get done, whether that's at home or at work. I want to try and get through that stuff as quickly and easily as possible, right? So if it's process improvement on some of that stuff, or it's just, okay, this is going to suck, but I can get into it and be done in 10 minutes, or I can grouse about it and complain about it and not want to get into it and then spend 30 minutes getting it done, right? Just get to the point of, this is the action that I have to take, get it done, get it out of the way. Um, I've actually been trying to come up with a better process myself for the getting things done with point one being just write things down so I get it out of my head so I don't have to constantly keep worrying that I'm going to forget about it. 
Um, the next thing I need to do, because I'm absolutely terrible about this and my wife despises it, is stop setting, you know, 15 different alarms throughout the day that are four minutes apart for something that I need to do and just put it on a list and do it. Um, because it's one of those things that the the nagging uh, reminders become worse than just actually finishing the task. So it's one of those things you've just got to get focused a little bit and, and get to the point of doing it. And then for the bigger stuff where it requires, I would say, a lot more um, brain power on it, trying to get into deep work, get to the point that I can have a structured, you know, one or one and a half hour long session where I can just say, okay, I am blocking everything else out and turning off notifications and I'm just going to sit and get this thing done or read through this thing that I've got to internalize and then be through that. Yeah, I find I've, I've thought a few times about having like the laptop and ecosystem type device that has all the notifications and all that kind of stuff, whether that be, you know, my work laptop or an iPad or whatever that, like that, but then having another device that has all notifications just permanently turned off and that be, you know, maybe where I shift focus to and then shut the lids on everything else when... I'm not having a look at that. I completely agree with you, Joe. Yeah, I, I kind of went through almost a, let's call it notification purge um, a couple of times, but a big one last year. And, you know, my phone, it's, the ringer's never on. I mean, I have an Apple Watch, so it'll vibrate if uh, I do get a call that's coming in. But just all the notifications from all the apps, like it's overwhelming. Pretty much the only thing I have on is, you know, a few Slack channels I have set to, hey, you know, if somebody adds me, alert me, but a lot of them, even that I turn off. And just even email, right? Like I don't want notifications when I get new email, pop up on the screen if I happen to see it, cool. Otherwise, no, I'm just going on with my life and I'll check it once in a while. Yeah, notification control is the number one thing you could do to make your life easier. Um, I turned off email alerts on my phone even when I was still doing pre-sales um, 10 years ago. Like I, it was just it was ridiculous the number of emails I got, so I'm like done. No no more whatsoever. Um, Slack I'm pretty you know, if I'm if I get a mention um, or certain keywords, I will um, allow allow those to come through um, and then I start looking at certain channels that are like I need to know what's going on here I absolutely don't need to know what's going on here and I will turn those on and off um, as far as the device part of it goes um, I know somebody who at one point told me um, they happen to be using a Mac where they would register they, they created essentially two users on the laptop and then registered different fingers for the fingerprint identification and anytime they wanted to go do deep work they would essentially they would flip between the users with the simple you know finger finger press and would be able to go into the the profile that had everything like twitter wasn't installed slack wasn't installed none of those things even existed on that other user so they were able to truly just completely disconnect and couldn't be bribed into opening clicking on that app just like oh, i'm just going to look for 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 2 minutes and then you know 10 minutes later you're back to working on things so I found I haven't actually ever used that hack, but I've always kept that in mind as one that um, it could be very useful. Yeah, that sounds super smart. One thing I will throw in real quick as a plug on the Slack notifications thing. Have you guys ever seen Clockwise for Slack? Um, so it's a plugin that integrates with your calendar system. 
And when you're in a busy meeting, it auto, it goes through and handles your notifications and stuff like that. But then the other part of it is, is when you do, um, when you have various people within your team that are using clockwise and you have like common meetings that you have overlap and you might have conflicts, it'll automatically move the calendar meetings around for you. But I like that it does the, the auto notification parts of it. It's really nice. Yeah. One of the big things too is, is just really having focus on what we're doing. Cause I would say a lot of us in tech, um, way more of us than it should be the case are, I don't know, I feel like either paranoid or uh, those of us that have been in it long enough have just been trained to never be unavailable for like a long time, um, you know, to the point that some people are paranoid about like going to the bathroom and things like that because they're going to miss a notification. None of us should ever have to be that way. And there's there's now at least so many better tools than email to get a hold of people, but it also bleeds into as you work with people in different time zones or globally, right? You're never truly offline or people always have a, a feeling that they can get a hold of you when they need to. And they're not always thinking about the fact that you might be doing other things. So one of my big focuses is trying to be more invested in the things that I actually want to do, right? Focusing on overall life goals and just like living and enjoying the journey for that stuff and being better at, stepping away and totally unplugging from the tech side to just have the hobbies and the distractions and the the time when I'm forcing myself to be unplugged and not be always accessible for stuff. Yeah, just to jump on that point about being accessible. Um, if anything, I think that, you know, the pandemic has just made that all the much harder to distinguish, right? Um, a lot of us, you know, prior we would go into an office and there is even just that sort of mental aspect at the end of the day, you leave the office, you know, even if other people were there and they were looking for you, it's like, oh, Joe's gone for the day, whatever. Um, now with, you know, oh, well, everyone's home remotely, everyone's almost always available. I mean, a challenge that I know I've run into, my role would be like, oh, hey, I'll see you on Tuesday. I'd go pop by that customer's office on Tuesday. Pandemic, well, that's not happening. It's like, okay, yeah, sprinkle some time here, sprinkle some time there. What's going to happen when we start going back into offices, right? Will everyone be able to say, okay, yeah, you know, get to see you one day a week, or is there still going to be that expectation of, oh yeah, you're available anytime, any day, right? So it's definitely a challenge that a lot of us have been facing and it's going to be interesting to see what this whole work from home during the pandemic does for it. Absolutely. Anything else on your list, uh, Joe? Yeah, there's other stuff that I really want to get better at. Um, and it's it's things that I have that are more personal goals for myself. So I still want to be doing some uh, content creation. But along with only keeping lists for tasks that have to get done, right? I want to be better at writing some longer journals, um, especially just seeing the change that all of us have had in the past year or two. Um, and a lot of the changes that are going on in, in just our overall communities or society at large. There's a lot of this stuff that has me thinking like I've got a bunch of thoughts running around in my head that would be stuff that I know I'm totally not going to remember 10 years from now, but I want to have it or stuff that I want to have for my kids for when they get older. So I'm trying to, to be better at writing things down just for journaling uh, and then actually trying to write longer form content. Um, I, I've got the opportunity to, to maybe jump in and write a couple of books 
either for publishers or to just completely go do a self-published thing just to, to you know, get over my fear of, of actually putting something down on paper and, and putting it out there for uh, lots of other people to read. And I've just, I've been doing so much content creation in the past um, year or two, specifically with like the VMware user group stuff that I've completely burned myself out, I think on doing, uh, at least doing virtual presentations. I, I for the love of God, do not want to have to sit and watch a video of myself replay on Vimeo going through a slide deck and demo again at all. Um, here, here. Yeah. Yes, definitely. I didn't yeah. think my stuff was that bad, but thanks, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to take it that way. Uh, yeah, I think part of the problem with the uh, recorded sessions is that we just always strive for perfection, right? You know, you watch, it's like, oh, I should have said this there, or I should have done that there, right? And you go back and you want to fix it each and every time. And, uh, you know, I, I know that's something that I've hated about doing anything, you know, kind of recorded sessions going forward. Um, but at the same time, I still love doing the live sessions, right? I, I've done a, quite a few VMUGs over the past two years where it's, oh, cool, it's a live one? Yeah, absolutely, I'll hop on the Zoom, right? But if I haven't done that recorded session yet, you know, it's like, well, you know, think about yeah. all that stuff that's involved, right? So definitely the worst. I Fortunately, I don't, I don't feel the pain of having to redo stuff, I think, because I just kind of go with, you know, whatever, I'm going to record it once and it's going to be as good as it's going to be. That's the closest I can get to doing it live for the most part. Um, so yeah, I just, I remember all the points where I have edit, uh, editing that should have been done that I can basically throw out in the chat to, you know, cause at this point I feel like we're having to beg people to actually engage when we're doing all these virtual events. And that's about the only way you can try and get people to, to have a conversation in a text chat while they're watching a video, which is just absolutely terrible. Um, but you know, going back to, to doing it in person, you know, I mean, being able to go up to the, to the Cincy user con and try and do my session where we ended up live streaming, basically 15 minutes of me and the AV techs trying to get a laptop working before I finally had to grab somebody else's laptop, like install a VPN client remote into my machine and like try and get going and then try and catch up for all the time that I'd eaten out of the break. Wow. Uh, it, it was it was absolutely horrible. Like everything went wrong that possibly could have, but I thought it was fun. I got to throw in a couple of really super cheesy jokes that got some lame laughs from the crowd. So yeah, so I'd, I'd much rather be in person. Is yeah. a recording available for that? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Uh, blackmail material exists. Cool. Well, Matt, what do you got in your list this year? Yeah, absolutely. So much like uh, Joe, a lot of content creation, probably slightly different focus. Um, I mean, I've basically not blogged much for called the last year and a half, two years. Um, definitely something I want to get back to. It's always something that I've enjoyed doing. Um, it's really just a matter of, I don't even want to say finding the time as much as finding the, the mental capacity to do it. Going back to some of the things that we've already touched on, you know, just always feeling like you're on between notifications, expectations, all that sort of stuff. At the end of the day, quite often, it's like, I just want to sit down and veg out, right? You know, maybe binge a TV show on Netflix or whatever. Um, so I definitely want to get back to that blogging as, you know, it's something also I find very rewarding. It's something tangible, like point back to saying, hey, look, you know, I wrote that, I did that, so forth and so forth. 
along with that, you know, I also just really miss presenting live. Um, I never realized how much energy that really gave me. You know, I kind of consider myself a little bit of an introvert, but when it comes to, you know, presenting at VMUG or VMON or anything like that, um, it definitely gives me an energy boost that I didn't really recognize before um, and really just kind of keeps me going and fuels me with things like, you know, for the blogging and whatnot. And, you know, lastly, on the, the sort of content creation side, you know, obviously a podcast, you know, hopefully uh, we get, you know, this thing gets some good legs under it and we keep it going. You know, it's something that we're, we all seem to enjoy doing. So I definitely want to make sure we kind of, you know, keep moving, you know, evolve this as necessary and just have a good time with it. Yeah. From bit... Hopefully create something people can enjoy. <laughs> from a, a technology focus, you know, high level, I definitely need to spend some more time looking at both Azure and AWS, right? Whether it's you know, VMC on AWS or native AWS, not saying that I want to go out and become a, you know, DevOps type of person, but, you know, there's a lot of cool stuff out there. You know, in my heart, I like to tinker with this sort of stuff. Um, but we're also seeing a lot, of, a lot of adoption with customers, right? Being able to understand what these things are, how are they using them, why they might be beneficial. But that's not to say also that I'm going to leave the on-prem stuff behind, right? There, there's still, there's going to be lots of data centers for many, many years to come where they'll still be running the stuff on-prem. You know, as a TAM, I've got, you know, fairly good knowledge across, you know, a lot of our products, but it's also, also nice to go a little bit deeper into some of these things as well, right? So I'll probably look at leveling up some of my certs, you know, a couple of years ago, if somebody said, oh yeah, you should go look at doing your VDI, you know, get your VCAP in that, probably be laughed at, right? Because, you know, let's face it, you know, VDI, it's, you know, unless you're a consultant going in and implementing, you're not dealing with a whole heck of a lot, but if there's anything that's, you know, kind of made it stick around is, uh, you know, a good old pandemic. You know, I'm going with it's the year of Linux VDI. That's that's what we really need to all be working towards. Yeah, you go with that, Jim. Go far, far away with that one. <laughs> Once you get there, keep going. Yeah. Just a little you're, bit you're further. still not there. Yeah. yeah, I've been living the year of VDI for, for a decade, well, over a decade now, and... I don't. I don't want to say that the fact that it never actually became the year of VDI was a reason why I kind of focused away from VDI. But I kind of felt like it was. You know, I I really enjoyed the early days of the VDI when it was a wild wild west and there wasn't a lot of technologies and you had to you had to really kind of tweak things to make it work well and things are working well now and the the use cases that haven't been converted to VDI tend to be. Um, I guess few and far between anymore. Like the really interesting ones for the most part got tackled because they were easy. And from here on out, it's, it's becoming a lot more difficult to justify it um, because it is, there's so many great advantages to it, but it's just so, like you said, Matt, if, if you don't need it, you don't need it. And from there, does it make sense to specialize in it? And I kind of got to that point where it was like, I don't know that I really care to, have that be my specialty anymore. Um, you know, in, in the right situation, I'd love to go back into talking VDI, but it's just not something that excites me like it did. Yeah. I mean, is, is VDI really the, the pinnacle of the want versus need, um, like technology conversation? Like there, I can tell you all kinds of people that want it, 
it's the but when you get down to are you willing to spend money for it is usually where it gets yes poorly yeah and that's that's exactly where i was i was at was it was it was something a lot of people wanted and when we would sit down and have the conversation about what it was what it was going to take you know the level of dedication they had to have to it the you know there's a lot of organizations that you know they needed to train up their desktop team and that's simply what it came down to and they weren't willing to to invest in those people to to bring them up they still viewed those desktop support people as as being the lowest level and deserving the least amount of of training i guess and it was it was a little disheartening in some of those cases because yeah if you don't put it the proper proper amount of attention to it it's it's not going to be worthwhile now all, all that being said um you know i i think where things will get interesting is we've seen so many other things that we commonly relate to vdi that aren't necessarily vdi you know more so the end user compute type stuff right where you know people are able to take an iPad and, you know, log into a portal and have their device automatically, you know, work with the organization in order to get like their email on there, their calendar, maybe even some line of business apps available through there. Right. A lot of that stuff does kind of fall under VDI traditionally with regards to like BUs and whatnot. But, you know, at the same time, you know, with the huge shift from work from home, it's not just work from home. It's really work from anywhere. I hope that doesn't come off as me sounding salesy, but you know that's what the fact of the matter is: is people are able to work from a lot more locations now, a lot better. So you know, are we going to see VDI, you know, traditional VDI, you know, take off and grow much bigger than it is today? Yeah, hard to say, but you know, I think as far as the pandemic goes, like working from anywhere, like this has been a game changer, right, from the technology standpoint, the adoption standpoint. Yeah, sounds like VDI might be a good topic for us to tackle in the future. Cool. Well, I'll finish off with my list, which is which is relatively simple. Um, for those that don't know, you know, I, I do come from a very heavy technical background, um, but my life has really kind of been focused the last several years on more of the the business and industry side of things. Like, I don't, you know, the Log4j whole situation kind of. I watched from the, from the roadside, which was really kind of weird because I didn't really have a whole lot to do. I mean, there's a few things in, inside of my own home, in my home infrastructure I had to deal with, but at work, nobody nobody should be giving me the keys. If, if things are going right in our organization, no one should be giving me keys to do that kind of stuff. So for me, it's, it's really digging more in and, and accepting the fact that, hey, I need to understand our business. I need to understand our industry my role is to help guide us through the business and the industry, not necessarily doing technical evaluations, picking the right technology for this particular problem. It's more about figuring out what the right technology is for us to offer to our customers to solve their problems. And so that's that's really where I need to, to dig a little bit deeper um, and kind of just embrace the fact that I need to, to not spend time learning, you know, Ansible and VDI and some of these other things we've talked about, but but focusing on some of that other stuff. Um, and a big part of that really kind of comes also into the security side of things. Like I, I, I see that industry is, is really fascinating. Um, there's, there's skills gaps there that I feel like at this stage I could, I could start digging into and, and learn a lot about and, and, you know, 
not necessarily want to say a second career in IT with with the security side of things, but there's there's some longevity there for sure. And you know, business wise for for what my company is doing, that's something that is going to be super useful for that. So there's there's a lot of reason to for me to focus on that. Well, I mean, definitely, Brian. I mean, the reality of it is the security needs to be part of the conversation of anyone that's working in modern business that is even remotely technology. I mean, not even, I should yep. actually make the case for it, not even being technology focused. There's just Agreed. so much rampant, let's go crazy stuff these days that you've got to have some kind of, you can't be clueless about it anymore is what it boils down to. Not yep. that you were or weren't, but. Yeah, yeah, that was that was one of the things I was going to say about that is is you know security. I mean, taking a page out of the the folks who are you know DevOps focused, right? They're trying to push the huge DevSecOps for the fact that they want security to be baked in from the beginning. It's it's the same way that you know desktop management and having you know configuration management or at least having standardized policies was back in the day and then it became the way that backup you know started being handled a little bit better by it being part of how are we going to handle this thing as we bring it on board to your point jim it's really just a lot of you can't be clueless right you have to have awareness of the things where whether it's physical physical security or your users and all the bad things they're going to do with, you know, phishing and stuff like that, whether it's ransomware that's totally external to your environment, or you start thinking about the outages that have come from, you know, an act of God type of thing, right? Where you need to at least be conscious and aware of, of what risks you're facing in your organization and just the business overall that may or may not be technology related, but it might be things that the technology folks can provide a lot of value because they have an interesting way of thinking about a lot of that, or they have for a lot of us, a very reactionary CYA manner of thinking of, you know, how do I just make sure this problem doesn't affect me and cause a resume generating event? Yeah. And log4j is kind of an example of, you know, part of the, part of the challenge we've had in, in IT the last 20 years is that, that whole DevSecOps aspect of things. Like developers don't think about security. They're some of the last IT people to think about security. And I don't mean that to denigrate them. I was a developer at one point and I never thought about the security implications of the code I was writing. But nowadays with, with Stack Overflows being a, a direct access layer into an environment for, for a hacker, you know, developers have got to think about what the security implications on every key they press. Um, just like network security people do, just like a server management people do, um, even even configuring the ESXi layer, you've got to think about the security aspects. Not only on you know what network do you put your vCenter server, but you know if I if I flip this bit here, am I going to make it easier for VMs to traverse to one another? Like that that is a concern that we need to be considering as well. So yeah, to me the the whole security thing for me really is. Um, you know, what do, what do customers need in order to make security easier for them when they're not necessarily um, security experts? Like we can be the security experts for their, for some of these companies. What kind of things do we need to offer? Where are they going to be challenged that we can, we can really help fill in is, is really where I want to start focusing in on. And then the last thing I kind of had of, Kind of the flip side of all that is as I become more business industry focused and less banging on the keyboard at a at a terminal prompt, 
I need to stay, I want to stay sharp with my technology skills. Like I don't expect to ever go apply for a job as a, as a sysadmin or a storage administrator ever again. I don't want to do that. I don't, I don't want to be on call anymore is, is really the biggest reason, but that's not where my interests lie. But at the same time, as I am doing things and, and being a part of the IT industry, I, my value, and I had to describe this to a new coworker the other day, you know, I work in the marketing organization. And I am part of, part of my skill set that I bring to the team is that I'm a technical person. I'm the only person in our team that came from a technology background and actually admitting and writing code. So I, I try to find little um, projects to keep that as sharp as I can, um, whether it be, you know, I had the decision point uh, a year or two ago as to whether I was going to throw out my home lab. I don't use it a whole lot. And all the equipment was was just you know, old and, and decrepit and wasn't reliable anymore. So I made the decision to go ahead and get some new, um, some new equipment and build up a new VMware infrastructure and start putting things together for that and making sure that I had that environment where I could play and, and do things. Um, but at the same time, also trying to find non IT related technology projects. So I've been playing, you know, I, I, I come up from a computer science background, so it was about coding more than anything. And I didn't do a lot of the electronics side of things. So I've I've done some projects that require me to do some electronics and, and actually doing some soldering onto a circuit board type of thing. Um, I spent some time with uh, Python, learning learning Python and you know kind of resurrecting some of my old development skill sets and combine those together to develop um, a little cat feeder that we can control remotely when we're traveling to be able to feed our cat. So having those types of things that are one, super interesting so that I can, you know, have that drive to want to actually do it as opposed to it being another have to do project that my brain doesn't want to deal with when I'm trying to relax, but it actually becomes relaxing and something that I can say, Hey, I created something useful out of this. So I'm always on the lookout for cool little projects like that to, to keep me going. That sounds really awesome, man. Yeah. It's, it's nice to, you know, we've got to all have our little side, you know, I got to mess with it kind of thing. Um, you know, that's a, you see the term Plex Ops float around every now and then of how everybody's managing their Plex servers or how they're setting it up or things like Pi-hole. I don't know if you guys have ever played with it, but it's super nice oh, yeah. and a good way to like make your home more secure and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, so definitely got to have the side the side little projects and i know for me i'll say that like lego is just like my disconnect yeah. find sanity but still be something with my hands i don't know if it's necessarily mm -hmm. technical but you know yeah hands projects are are important because you know idle hands are the tools of the devil type of thing and if i don't you know putting together legos i can listen to podcasts and keep my mind and my my fingers doing something that's not typing and not staring at a screen at the same time. Yeah. Just finding something where you could kind of zone out and almost reach that kind of Zen type of state, right? Where you could go in autopilot and just drift off. Absolutely. Yep. So that's kind of my list. Um, not nearly as exciting or, or probably um, eye-opening for the audience as, as the rest of you, which is why we kind of saved me to last, but um, all, all important aspects because we are whole people. And so you know, I, I definitely recommend even if you are a, you know, full-time network administrator and that's the only thing that you care about day in and day out, 
you know, you've got to understand the business aspect of things. You got to understand how um, your technology decisions affect the greater picture. And you know, always always recommend that. So try to be as whole a person as you can. That means having having side projects. It means reading things that maybe not normally read, talking to people you might not normally talk to. Cool. Well, any final thoughts before we wrap this one up, guys? Not really. Uh, for I'll put it out there. So those of you that might be listening, if you want to tell other people about it, that'd be kind of cool. Um, I think we're are, are, are we're on all the major platforms now, right? Did we do that yeah. correctly? I think everything's worked That's out there. Cool. Yeah, we're kind yeah. of a big deal, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, get in now before we're too big of a deal. Cool. Yeah, we, we need to come up with some sort of outro for reminding people to subscribe and tell a friend and all that fun jazz. Right. Or we could just trip over. It's, it's harder when you can't point at the button. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, always great hanging out with the three of you. Um, I welcome welcome these times together. So I think that alone is going to help drive us into the future with this. So um Hope everyone has a great 2022. Um, here's hoping that it opens more opportunities for us to get together and, and meet people in person and um, live podcast recordings and all that kind of stuff. So uh, we'll definitely start bringing more people in here as we kind of get things figured out on our end to give you somebody else's voice to hear. Um, eventually, we'll start recycling our own stories, and that's never fun. So um if you're if you're interested in, in participating at all, uh, keep us in mind, uh, share us with friends, and we will talk to you all in the next episode. Take care, everybody. Later, everybody. See y'all later. See ya.